Hello and welcome to Maldorma TV. This is episode 23 and I'm Magnus Alber. And I'm Tobias Alber. In this episode we once again talk with the tabla player from Krishna's band, Aaron Brugiman. After a previous episode you guys felt there was so much more to talk about that you decided to do another episode. Yeah, Aaron told me that he had a few stories that he wanted to share with me and they are really amazing. And I also had a few additional questions that I didn't make it during the first interview. So enjoy this interview as well. Welcome, Arjun Brugeman, back to Madoma hey, TV. How you doing, man? Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Had a yes. really nice time the last time you were on the show. Yeah, me too. Yeah, very, great time. Uh, and uh, I was very glad to hear that you had some more things to share with us. And I also have a few other questions that I actually kind of forgot to ask about last time because we talked about so much so many things that was really interesting so yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely uh for instance i saw that you were in bahamas at the Silanda yeah. ashram over there yeah so that's one of the things i would like to talk about and also sure. i want to talk about the practice of bhakti more mm -hmm. in depth because that's pretty much what your practice is i guess uh, with krishna does uh, we didn't really go that deep into the the practice of bhakti yoga. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the things. Okay. And I think I want to ta start with uh, with the Bahamas trip. And if it's okay with you, I would like to share a short story to kind of... The story is about how I came to know about the Divine Life Society. Sure, yeah. And because it kind of, kind of interconnects with... Uh, with Krishna Das and Neem Karola Baba and all that, so perhaps it's a good way to just yeah, go into definitely. it naturally. Uh, yeah. So basically, when we met in Hawaii, uh, just a few months before that, me and my brother Tobias had been in India. Uh, I think it was in April of 2017. And the main reason we went there, I think we talked about this last time, was to visit uh, Nanital and uh, the ashrams of Ninkarola Baba. Yeah. So we went to Kanchidam and uh, Kakrigat, uh, Hanumangar, and places like that. And also we went to Padampuri, the ashram of Sombari Baba. Mm. Because yeah. I had just read, before we, I went to the trip, I read a book by KK, Maharaj's yeah. uh, devotee. Deva Bhumi. So, and it was a really funny story because I had this uh, kind of, I kind of channel information from time to time. Uh, and I knew that I was supposed to go to Nanital, but also mm -hmm. Rishikesh and Dharamsala. And I had no idea why I should go to Rishikesh, mm -hmm. only that I had to go there. And I didn't really know what to visit when we came there. Uh, and the week before we went to India, we went to this uh, retreat with an Indian yogi called 3M. I don't know if you know about him. I know. Yeah. Uh, Actually, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I've seen a picture of him and Krishnadas somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, we went to, I went to see him um, a couple of times in India. I, used, I, was, I received teachings from him 
uh, a few years ago and was doing Korea practice. And, All right. And we would go and see him in uh, Oregon and hang out at one of his friend's house and have our own little ah, okay, time. Okay. It's really beautiful. Yeah, Shriam's yeah. great. It's a small yeah. world. <laughs> yeah. It's all of these connections. It's really crazy. Uh, so anyway, we went to Shriam mm -hmm. and uh, to his retreat. And before, I think the book Devabhumi by KK came out just before we went to India. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just released and I read it as an e-book and it re heard about Subhari Baba. I never heard about him. I don't think he's very, that well-known either in the West. And yeah. at this retreat, I met two Westerners that had been to Sumbari Baba's ashram in Padampuri, which was kind of a weird synchronicity, meeting two people had been there, this really unknown saint, uh, the week before we were going there. But also, I didn't, still didn't know about Richard Cash, but I read Sri M's book, Apprentice of a Himalayan Master, because, and I knew that he had talked about a few places around Richard Cash, so I thought perhaps I'd check them out. Uh, mm -hmm. And he talked about meeting Swami uh, Shidananda from the Divine Life Society, the devotee to Swami Sivananda. Yeah. And I googled his name and this picture came up of uh, Swami Shidananda and I was, just fell in love with the guy. Mm -hmm. He was so beautiful and I watched this small documentary. And so I, th I thought, well, I think I'm going to the Divine Life Society. Uh, but I didn't know if that was the case. Uh, that was the reason I was going to Rishikesh. But then, after the, I decided to go there, the, the Divine Life Society just popped up everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, uh, in Krishnadas' uh, Instagram account, there was a picture of him, just, I think, two pictures of him with uh, the, the current president, Vimavalanda, Swami Vimavalanda, I don't know how to pronounce it actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, and also it just popped up from different uh, sources, really unconnected. So I thought, okay, I think I'm really going to need to go to the Divine Life Society. Yeah. Uh, and we went there, and I had this strong feeling that I was supposed to meet with this uh, Swami Vimalananda. And I told you this story in, when we talked uh, during this week on Facebook Messenger. That when we went there, my brother and I, we actually got a little bit lost in the beginning <laughs> and ended up in the residential area. And the first guy we met was Swami Vimalananda. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. And also that uh, one of the two of the synchronicities came from Krishna's account. So it's, it's this small connection to, to you guys as well. And I yeah. have no idea what it, what it meant, but the Divine Life Society became quite of an important uh, part of my, I don't know, journey in a way. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I know you've been to the Svenanda Ashram right now. So, yeah, I, I like this kind of funny things happening all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can see these connections just happening and and you meet uh, also knowing about Shriam. It's just yeah. another one. Uh, I don't know the meaning of them. It's just, I think it's funny when you see this strange synchronicity thing. Synchronicity yeah. is popping up all the time. Yeah. So, uh, so what's your relationship to the Divine Life Society? Um, well, we've been, you know, Krishadas has been going to, um, to Bahamas 
at Shivananda Ashram down there for, I guess, almost 20 years now. Yeah. Um, and I've been going there since I've been with him, so it's been 12, 13 years or something. And, um, you know, I, it's my favorite retreat to go to. Um, it's not just because it's in the perfect location, you know, on Paradise Island. Yeah. We have the here in the ocean here, and they really kept it like a, like a jungle kind of ashram, you know. Um, you can always sneak away to Atlantis if you want to get some kind of, you know. But um, it's it's a very sweet place, and, you know, all the swamis there are from Israel. Okay. And uh, it's kind of, you know, like a, like a nice tight family, and, you know, it's, it's run pretty intensely, yeah. you know. When we go there, it's it's a little different, but they they do real practice there. Yeah. I think I think the Shivananda Yoga lineage, from what I understand of it, is very complete. Yeah, and has everything in it. It's not just asana. It's not just bhakti. It's not just me. Um, so the kirtan goes very deep, you know, because because they're very present and they're they're very they're very in it. So it's it's a beautiful time, um, and. Our connection in India and Rishikesh with Divine Life Society is very much with the Swami Vimalanan. And, um, oh, it got a little weird. You hear me? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There's a little stop okay. over here. Um, uh, yeah, our connection is very much with Swami Vimalanan, and he's invited us to go and sing there when we're there every time, you know. Krishadas and him really love each other, and he's so sweet to us. It's amazing. I mean, like, you know, it's Swami land. It's it's completely, you know, renunciant. Just, and then here we are. <laughs> you know, he invites us in every time. You know, I'm wearing jeans and you know the whole thing, and and he brings us in his little kuti, and you know they cook for us, and we're at his birthday party one time. I mean, it was. It's very, very sweet, and he he's such an amazing being, actually, Vimalanand. And, um, and that, that connection has gone back in Maharaji's time. Yeah, I know that some it, of the devotees of Sivananda went to Ninkara Baba and vice versa. Yeah, Chitananda and, and, and you know, Shivananda Maharaji, you know, from what I understand, uh, were close. And, and so that was always there, you yeah. know. Um, so and it's still there now, yeah. and it's really beautiful. You know, I had a beautiful experience with with Swami Vimalanand uh, last time I was there. Uh, we were supposed to meet him there actually for his birthday party, yeah. and um, and I showed up early. I was on my own, you know, just walking around, and I showed up early. And there was this tree, this beautiful big tree, right right outside of his room there, um, and he was just sitting there by himself. Yeah. And I went and sat next to him, and he said, oh, Arjun, come sit, you know. And uh, it was so, so crazy, actually, because there was all of a sudden all this yelling and racket. And it was, they were kicking out this woman out of the ashram, like literally kicking her out. And she was losing her mind. And he didn't budge. He just sat there. He didn't even look, you know. And then it was gone. She was gone, all the yelling was, was over, and we just sat there in silence for like a minute. And then he just leans over to me and he said, she stole things. Okay. <laughs> and then that was it. And then he said, um, he said something about a mantra, 
and he said he said i'll i'll think of you when i do this which is really sweet because if he says it he's gonna do it yeah and then you know something that you know you've we've read in books and we've heard and we've talked about all the time but he said um you know you have to ask who you are Mm -hmm. you you what makes you alive yeah the body is dead what is giving the body life like self-inquiry yeah you have to ask what that is who are you but when he was saying it he gave me that experience of really being behind everything and you know which you know at times we've had before with with different teachers or different experiences but this was like his it was really really amazing it was really beautiful and uh you know he was really saying it from that place (laughs) just the thought um so it was he's amazing it really is yeah i met him twice when i was there he was as i said the first meeting i had and the funny thing also when right after the meeting we just talked for a few minutes and he was really sweet and all that but nothing i didn't have an experience but the moment after he walked away i knew that this was the reason i was going to the yeah. one and I, I felt like I can leave now uh, I don't have anything more to do here but we stayed just to look out the ashram and we actually went there every day but I knew for some reason that it was done the whatever was supposed to happen I don't know uh, to this day what was <laughs> what happened but yeah uh, very uh, strange yeah 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 he's very humble too very very humble you never know you know he never amazing guy yeah, okay. And uh, the ashram in Bahamas, the, uh, is there like swamis from Rishikesh that over there as well? Or they're all, um, all over the world, I think. They're all over. Yeah, yeah. they're all over. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to get the names wrong, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I think the main swami there is Swami Surupananda. Okay probably destroying that pronunciation um and he's you know they they see him as their as their their teachers guru maybe and uh and he doesn't he doesn't say much but he definitely holds a presence and i've listened to him talk yeah. a couple times and it's, he's really great yeah it's really great and there was there was another swami that came once and he was uh, he was actually with shivananda and i forgot his name he was amazing all right he was so great yeah, yeah. So do you go there for retreats or to have concerts or both? We just do a retreat. We just go there and we have our retreat, you know, three days, you know, there's kirtan every night and workshops. Yeah. And we usually go there, giving the secret away, um, about a week before and just chill. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Which yeah, is great. great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just be for a while. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So then, yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. But uh, I yeah. also want to go into the practice of bhakti yoga, uh, yeah. love and devotion. And I don't know if all the listeners know what bhakti is. Would you like to explain it a little bit? You might have to do that. <laughs> um, you know, it's bhakti. I don't. I usually don't use that word, mm-hmm. just because it's. You know, it's part of 
tradition that I that I do yeah. practice in a way, but it's also a word that almost doesn't have a definition in my own feeling of it. Um, it's something that it's just it's it's just love. It's a type of surrender. It's it's when you when you have a being that comes into your life in a body or not in a body or even a deity that there's something that you feel that's so deep there's so much love um and and it's it's deeper than you know i guess you can say doing business or or like a conditional love it's 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 the closest is unconditional love i think is that we can feel yeah. and it's just a surrender it's you just want it you can you you'd give your life to this this presence um and the reason why you don't want to use the, the term bhakti is that because you don't want to you know, kind of put yourself within a definition and more go where, where the heart show you the way, in a way? I guess, I guess. I mean, you know, I'm, that's just my way of it. You know, I, I think that as Westerners, which I have done in yeah. the past, um, you can get very quickly caught up in just exchanging one identity for another yeah you know now i'm bhakta i'm a yeah. bhakti yoga and i'm a hanuman bhakta that's much better than a krishna <laughs> bhakta you know i mean like you know all this kind of stuff that happens in religion yeah. and in dogmas and i i try to stay clear of that yeah the best i can you know i i in the past have got locked into that kind of thing yeah and i think it's very easy to have an experience of something and you autom automatically think that, okay, this is the truth. This is what I need to do for the rest of my life. And not realizing that it perhaps was the right thing right then, but tomorrow it might be something else. And learn yeah. to listen to your heart instead. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I know exactly what you talk about. i also yeah. been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But, but, you know, the practice of, of that, of that, you know, of bhakti is usually either uh, you know of chanting mm -hmm. you know, singing to your guru or to your deity or repeating mantra internally or externally um just your mind is always remembering them yeah you know um and i mean it goes deep it goes really deep because you know there's this thing of like you know the guru does everything yeah right Maharaji, especially in everything, and Maharaji does everything. Yeah. So, if you really, really, or truly surrendered to that idea, the Maharaji does everything. Yeah. You would never complain again in your whole life, yeah. because it's exactly the way it's supposed to be, good or bad. Yeah. And that's there's the surrender. If you truly have faith in that. You're done. Like Ramana Maharshi always says, you know, no matter what happens, you know, just be silent. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Um, it's extremely hard to do. I can't do it. But I, you know, in the past have had some kind of understanding by the grace of Siddhi Ma and, and Maharaji in my life. Um, but I, I think, you know. So that's 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 a big one. You hear that a lot. You know, it's it's easy for other people to say, "Oh, well, you know, it's Maharaji. Don't worry about it." You know, that's happened to you. I know it's not good or whatever, but but it's all Maharaji. And then all of a sudden, 
something happens to that person that they don't like. Well, you can't do that to me. I, I thought, oh, no, no, this isn't right. Oh, I thought Maharaji did everything, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's, it's like that kind of thing. So it's very, it's, it's very slippery in a way because you really can't nail down what bhakti is. You know, it's, 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 it's really like this letting go and not holding on to anything, even though it could be looked at as an external thing. You know, it's like, you know, my experience with Sidhima was there was this being that loved me no matter what. I, you know, I knew she saw everything mm. because she, so, she showed me stuff that I forgot about myself. Mm. And now I'm seeing it and she's looking right at me and she sees it too, but she still loves me. And, you know, that's a common thing with all um, anyone who is around the saint. That's. Yeah. So then what ends up happening is you kind of let that go and you fall in love with that being completely, you know. But that being is not a person. They're you, right? Yeah. So you're surrendering yourself in your ego, whatever you want to call it, to this being that is you. So that feeling of devotion and love that is arising in you yeah. is you. And also that person is is the every being in the whole universe. Yeah. So you're actually falling in love with every being alive. Yeah. So it's very tricky that way, you know? Yeah. And I also I think Ramdas talks talk about a lot about this, you know. I, I know Krishna's talk about it from time to time as well, that trying to be loving and to be good is really hard. It's more like doing the practice and start to the love just start to manifest and you're you are love you yeah, don't, yeah you don't need to do it as an act it's just yeah. happening by itself because you yeah. are love and and i have experienced glimpses of it from time to time and it's it's very different to be loved than to kind of try to act lovingly but it's not really yeah. the yeah, real deal yeah, yeah. no exactly but do you think it's still important to try to be loving anyway, even though it doesn't really, you know, you're not there emotionally? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I guess, right? I mean, but just as long as you're honest with yourself, yeah, you know, I mean, how many times do people like, oh, that's so great, oh, yeah, oh, no, I would love to do that for you and everything, and inside you're like, oh, why, you know, um, so as long as you can, I guess, recognize that, that that's happening in yourself and you're not, you're not faking out yourself, thinking that, wow, look at how good I, I just did that, you know, pat myself in the back and I was so loving. Yeah. Um, as long as you know that that was an act, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. And I guess even if you kind of fake it until you make it, you will start to notice gradually that you kind of like what love does, you know, anyway. So after a while, I think it will be more genuine and yeah, wake up the real love. Yeah, yeah. And I think people are pretty sensitive, too. They kind of know when yeah. what's, what's really happening there. Yeah. So, you know, um, 
also just being honest i mean yeah. i'm part of, uh, i'm part of it south song sometimes it's very honest sometimes too honest yeah. <laughs> um but you know everyone kind of knows where where everyone's at yeah you know but but the love is definitely there but i think they are really connected honesty and love because when you kind of are really honest with yourself and with others and open that's kind of just giving up yourself and yeah showing this is me uh naked exactly. in a way and that's when you have the opportunity to open your heart in a way exactly so honestly yeah i think you're that's really yeah pinning it down yeah because i mean you know i mean who i think ron bass said or something you know there's there's that you know what you do in front of the picture mm -hmm. of your guru and then not you know so the guru is always there i mean they're, yeah. they're, they're, it's part of your own being you know so yeah. it's like you're not hiding anything yeah. you know but you also kind of you know not everyone can kind of take brutal honesty no so i sometimes you know idiot compassion as they say in buddhism could be useful yeah. <laughs> in the line of that and real compassion sometimes yeah okay you know yeah, yeah and i guess I listen a lot to Christian Jazz over the years, and uh, also, you know, allowing yourself to be in the ego and try to love that as well. I mean, it's so easy to beat yourself down for not living up to the so-called standards of the saint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that, you know, is... You know, yeah, exactly. Loving the existence that you are, accepting, you know, and that goes back to the practice of just accepting this moment as it is. Yeah, this and is exactly where. Yeah, yeah, it includes all your bad personality qualities and all of that, because that's yeah. what's here right now. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and you know, any time you know where there is true openings with Sidima or. Or, or Shamsundras Baba, or just you know, whatever Maharaji does does it all, but uh, that's what you're left with. Yeah, it, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You know, because you mm -hmm. see, also you're connected to what you really are and what's really going on here. Yeah. And this personality and all of its problems is like a very very small little thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. Uh within the ego in a way the real self is hidden also it's just uh, yeah. kind of miss it uh focusing on the the me <laughs> yeah 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 so um but that's okay too yeah it is okay mm -hmm. who's it um robert thurman who's amazing mm -hmm. uh he said, you know, when you finally become buddha and you finally wake up and you look at all your past lives you realize you're actually having a really good time yeah Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but when you're in the suffering and you're in pain, it's really hard to see that. Yeah, and yeah, it's easy to kind of paint this picture of becoming, you know, this unearthly saint. But in a way, I haven't really met like people like Maharaji. But it feels like most of these saints are really good at being human as well. Oh yeah, or perhaps yeah. best in uh, they're really human in a way. They're completely human. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think at least for us Westerners, it's easy to 
get a very idea of you know what an enlightened yeah. being should be like this buddha levitating and whatever you know yeah yeah and it's really just being human completely yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah because they're not thinking of being anything else than what they are there's no yeah. thought of it mm -hmm. so but there's a i like that story where um, a Maharaji story. I don't know if it's exactly how it happened, but there's the short version. There was a woman that was in the in the temple that said, "You know, Maharaji, show me God. Mm -hmm. I want to see God. I'm ready." Yeah. He said, "Later, later, Ma. I'll show you later." And she said, "No, no, 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 no. I, I want to see it now." You know. And she was so sure of herself. And then you know, no, later, later. So then at the end of the day, when she had to go home to her family and cook and do all this kind of stuff and you know take care of everyone. Uh, he said, oh, Ma, I'll show you God now. And she said, oh, no, wait, wait, I, I got to go. I got to go. Not now, not now. <laughs> so that was showing her that, like, no, you're not ready. Yeah. Because you're you're attached to, to your life and your and your duties and everything. And that really was like, wow, if Maharaji did that to me right now, would I go? Yeah. I mean, with my idea that I was going to disappear and all my attachments, yeah. first of all. You know, exactly. who knows if that's really true. But mm -hmm. um, No. I, I I love being this whacked out person on this planet. Yeah. You know, I I am attached to it. You yeah. know, I don't know if I would want to completely walk away from it. So that story in itself really gave me a gratefulness of of what this is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I also want to connect to you brought it up uh, a few minutes ago, uh, suffering. Yeah, and the connection between suffering and love, and yeah, do you have any thoughts about suffering? What mm. it is, why it's there, uh, how it's connected to love? Having it, man, that is a question that I've had for a long time, yeah. and I I brought it to City Mom. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's a story that I wanted to tell, um, which is all about suffering and why. Um, and if I can tell it, I'll, yeah, I'll try ahead. to do my best to make it fast. But um, it's pretty heavy. Some people don't like to to hear about this kind of stuff. But um, you know, Krishnadas and Archit Deve, um, who was our sound guy years ago, mm -hmm. and and I did a an Auschwitz retreat with uh, Bernie Glassman, mm -hmm. the Zen teacher. Okay, and it's called. Um, uh, bearing witness retreat. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we did that, and it was really, really intense. It Is was it really Auschwitz. Auschwitz. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, you stay in this little community center slash kind of hotel thing that's like right in the middle of Birkenau, in in Auschwitz, and you know, for uh, five days you're, you know. You're doing all these different ceremonies, meditating at the selection site, going through all the different you know places where different things happen, hearing all the stories. You're in it. You're you're with the land. You're with that energy. And there's it's not just Zen Buddhists. I mean, there's people from all different traditions and in and all different, you know, uh, you know, children of the survivors, children of the the SS soldiers. With I mean, it's intense. Yeah. And um, 
you know, I kind of wanted to know what I was getting into. So I did a lot of research about what happened there okay. and, and heard a lot of more stories when I was there. And it was really, really, really intense. Yeah. So in the one thing that we talked that you mentioned in the, in the last uh, interview is not knowing yeah. Just letting go of everything you know. And that's the first thing that Bernie said was to let go of everything you think you know about anything, any spiritual practice, any realization, anything you just don't know. And then enter into this retreat, which was amazing, you know, to do just so you can really be there and witness what is happening without any kind, you know. Um, but, you know, the emotion and mental torment basically that you go through when you're there is really intense. And, um, you know, I had a couple amazing experiences. One was in, uh, the gas chamber that's still intact and in, uh, in, uh, in Auschwitz camp, um, where I literally saw beings. Mm -hmm. I really, I, I saw these gray, uh, entities mm -hmm. and, and I felt very connected to them. And it was almost like being in a temple. Yeah. You know, um, you know, when you're in, you know, any kind of temple in India, there's a kind of an aliveness that hits you and you're, ah, you know, and this is a complete opposite kind of place. But it, I had almost the same awakening because there was so much suffering there. Yeah. There's so much pain. And it's just, you know, the worst of what, human beings can do which also woke something up in me yeah so you know so i felt i had to go back there and do chalices and, and do my practice as an offering which was really really beautiful but but later on in the retreat it was um you know just sitting there going through different states of emotion and, and awareness going back and forth because it was beautiful out the land was beautiful and it was fall and the leaves were changing and falling and the sun was always out. And you just sit there just like, you know, letting go of everything and just being present and enjoying it. And then the mind and emotions come back in and say, no, 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 no. you have to be upset. You have, this is, this is what happened here. You have to be angry. You have to be sad and going back into this thing and then letting go again and then coming back in and then letting go. And then something kind of started happening where I, I recognized a, a certain awareness or silence that start, started to come in. So, you know, going back further is just the space itself, the space itself, which is allowing everything to be, which Eckhart Tolle says is the body of God itself, which I thought yeah. was beautiful. But um, that is allowing all this to be it's holding everything mm -hmm. and it's also inside of us so that starting to go into that mm -hmm. in, into bear witness of 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 what went on there but then i was i was noticing the leaves on the trees the leaves became such a huge part and the leaves were falling and i was really just watching that and i was like wow if a leaf had a human mind. They'd be looking at this as an absolute tragedy. Everyone's dying, falling off this tree. There's a pile of corpses on the ground. Yeah. It's, it's a horrific scene. Mm -hmm. But we don't see it as that. It's just nature. Yeah. right? 
and the leaves are falling and you know as kids we play in them and all this kind of stuff you know but you know that is death happening it is death and so and but you know and that's just kind of what happened there is this this kind of space i wasn't okay with what happened it didn't correct anything um and i was kind of left with that and then we went to see city mob okay and i still had this question and i did a lot of other research about all the other horrible things that happened on the planet not just not just there um and i was still like very just man why why you know why does it have to be like so we were in the rishikesh temple and um we were going to do chalices and this is this is just a little side story it's kind of funny someone said don't you ever get sick on tour don't you ever like not where you can't play i said no you know maharaji takes care of that and i said oh no why did i say that yeah. you know i was like man that was arrogant whatever so we start to do chalices and i get sick yeah really sick like i thought i was going to throw up all over the tabla it was really cold out you know it's kind of outside and my finger cracked open and i was bleeding all over my tabla i mean it was horrible city yeah. ma walks in and she kind of you know because she does her pranams and she walked in and she kind of stopped and looked at me and started laughing and i was like oh man you know so we finished all the chalices and we did a little kirtan after and i just felt something in my chest just bang and then i Sickness went away, and I was completely in this blissful state, and it was all cool. And, and then we had um, a darshan. I had a personal darshan with Ma, a one-on-one with Jaya. And I told her about what we did in Auschwitz. And I said, Ma, I don't understand. Um, if God is inside everyone, even though it's covered by the ego that doesn't know what it's doing, still... The deeper awareness is the presence of God. Why would God want to kill someone else? And why would God want to be killed? Like, I don't understand suffering. I don't understand why this happens. And she just said, Arjun, you can't ask why. You cannot understand with the mind that you have. It's impossible. Yeah. And that really didn't do anything to make me feel better. It was just like, Okay, I mean, I understood that, that I can't understand, you know, it's like trying to, it's like a kindergartner say, well, you know, yeah. you know how do you drive a semi-truck? Um, so, so I went back to my hotel and I was in my room and I was going off on a feeling that sickness and being okay. And then I picked up by his grace, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which I've read five times before, which is such a beautiful book. And I just kind of opened up to a page, like really just opened up to a page, not like, okay, I'm going to open up to a page and see, you know, I just just opened up to a page and started reading. And it was something that I've never, I I know I've read before because I've read the book, but it never hit me. And there was a bunch of devotees sitting with Maharaji and Kenshi. And that day, a school bus filled with children fell off, went over the side of the road and they all died. Yeah, I remember that story. I yeah. read it too. Yeah. And and he said, you know, why does this happen? Why would that happen to them? And the Maharaji said, no one knows why. The leaves fall off the trees. 
and no one knows why, hmm. you know, which completely brought me back yeah. to being in Auschwitz, staring at the leaves, and the leaves were such a big thing. And, yeah. you know, that completely, when I read that, and which is something that I was, you know, it, it, he did something there. Yeah, like a full circle. In, you know? Yeah. I mean, you were watching the leaves. Sorry, I lost Okay, the yeah, the lagging. Uh, it, it sounds like a full circle. You you sitting in Auschwitz looking yeah. at the leaves, then go yeah. with Ma, and then open the book and just talking about yeah. leaves and yeah. Yeah, and, and and to me that was that was, you know, Maharaji also showing that he's there. Yeah, and that's that was a Leela. That whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see it. Months, you know, and that's also how uh, I think how he's in all of our lives or any saint. You know, is that they're always there through all this stuff. And then when you have an experience like that, um, also that's where devotion comes from. Yeah. You know, it, that opens your heart. Um, and and I'm still not okay with the suffering, but it was that opened up, you know, I think a little bit of what Bernie was talking about, bearing witness. Yeah. yeah. And it's there anyway. Even if yeah. you accept it or not, uh, I this is my personal view. For me, suffering—I don't know if this is a good ex- explanation—but it's like the space in which love can exist, in a way. Uh, like they are interconnected. With a, yeah, you can't have the one without the other, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like if love is. The greatest love is the love that can kind of take in the most pain. I mean, the the unbearable in a way. Yeah. Uh, so without suffering, love wouldn't be as great as it is in a way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's just a, yeah. I don't know if it makes any sense, but that's how I see it, I guess, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anything that I've ever accepted, you know, when I, when I was suffering that I actually fully accepted, it was completely a door yeah. into, into something awake. Awakening. Yeah, I remember Ramdas talking about, you know, that even though he's in this ocean of love or whatever, yeah. loneliness, sadness all of that grief is still inside of him. And I have, have had glimpses like that too, that when you go into this, this love and bliss or whatever, all that stuff is still there. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. But, and it feels the same, but it's not suffering anymore. It's very yeah. strange to <laughs> put words on it. It's there, and it, it's the same feelings, but you're not resisting the, them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, you know, once again, language of Eckhart Tolle, um, it's pain, not suffering. Yeah. Suffering is what we emotionally and mentally put on ourselves because we're experiencing pain. Yeah. And in a way, I guess suffering is always resistance to what is, I think. Yeah. But uh, as you said earlier, I don't really know. (laughs) No. No, but I think it's a very important thing to look at. And I, I feel sometimes, 
you know, you, we can get caught in this thing where we don't want to look at suffering and we just want to be love and light and we don't want to be, you know, why, why are you telling that story? Why are we looking at this? And, you know, if we want to be these enlightened beings and be like our guru one day, um, grow up to that, you know, they see it. Yeah. They see everything. You know, right now, how many people are being murdered, tortured, raped? You know, I mean, it's, it's happening all the time. And with, Buddhism, I think, is the essence of always looking at that. Yeah. You know, um, so it's very, very important. Yeah. Yeah, they have this uh, practice of always keeping death, aware of death in yeah. every moment. And I can see why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's deep stuff, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Uh, so that was one of your stories. Did you have more stories that you wanted to share? Um. Uh, let me guess about devotion and um you know i think maybe with with you know in miracles when we talk mm -hmm. about you know when these miracles happen there are yeah. things that we can't explain that we call miracles yeah um you know i also devotion comes from that you know um it's it's something that the mind can't comprehend yeah something beyond what we think is real that we just witnessed and the mind completely collapses. And when that completely collapses, all that there's left is the heart. Yeah. That's is. And, and in that moment you're there. And then of course it closes up again. And I asked Jaya about, about these experiences. Cause I had one once in Kenshi that was quite something. And I, Jaya, by the way, I'm not, Jaya is was is was City Ma's um, like main caretaker. Okay. Um, she understood. Uh, she was a translator. Yeah. So in most of our darshans, Jaya was there as the translator. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I I feel you know I had such a deep connection to Ma that mm -hmm. sometimes there was you know um, I was kind of talking to her, but and Jaya talked about those experiences these miracles what she said is she said arjun they're always happening yeah they're always happening and what you have to do is kind of protect it like a tree that's growing a little you know plant and you you protect it and you weed it out you know all the stuff that can destroy it and and then it took me a while to kind of get that i mean my understanding of it is that it's these miracles these experiences open up space open up that complete depth of awareness like the bottom of a lake that's completely still yeah and it's not that that literal that what happened is always happening no it's the realization from that experience yeah is always happening and with practices that we do chanting you know repetition of the name whatever you want to call it watching the breath is weeding out all that stuff so no matter what disturbance is happening on top of the water we're keeping our, our you know open to the bottom stillness yeah so that's kind of what she said mm. you know for me like synchronicities and other things like like this that are kind of you can see the the whole story that you talked about with the leaves and opening the book it kind of reassures us that God is here. <laughs> exactly. In a way, I, that's the way I feel about it. 
today. I'm not really that amazed anymore, but yeah, you just see God more and more, and you start yeah. to see small miracles as well. <laughs> in a yeah. way, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Just, yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, 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 without a doubt, and it's more. Of, I think the way Maharaji does is more cracking the mind than than quieting it. It's, you would there's a, a line in his chalisa. I, f- I forgot how it goes, but I think it's when when cracking the whip on the mind or something. It's, it's kind of just yeah. <laughs> I have this funny little story from just a few days ago. My brother had this really uh, profound dream with Maharaji, and he had he have had a lot of experiences with Maharaji. Uh, in visions and things like that and I really never had him in that way and my ego kind of kicked in and before I went to sleep I prayed to Maharaja please can't you show up in a dream (laughs) and you know and as it happens the whole night I I had a long dream with Maharaja (laughs) yeah it didn't really the the main message message was remember God Uh, yeah but uh, yeah it's Kind of funny that he actually showed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I asked him to, but it was a completely ego thing for me. When I, I mean, I just wanted to. I had to pray just because I, I wanted the same thing as my brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but still, he. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really, yeah, kind of funny. Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, I have a few. Uh, see, I have a few questions written down here that I think we've been talking about them, actually, uh, to some extent. But we we touched this subject earlier with, you know, there are a lot, a lot of different paths. And in India, we have, you know, like Bhakti Yoga and Jnana Yoga and all of this. And some people think that you should kind of stick with one practice mm-hmm. others mix them up uh, do you have any thoughts or ideas about that i don't know because if i reach the finish line then i'd be able to look back and tell you yeah. i haven't <laughs> a clue man yeah. i myself i'm all over the place but yeah. you know i also through my experience mm-hmm. i um it all leads to the same yeah. thing you know especially when you're the whole jnana yoga and bhakti yoga and you know there's some bhakti bhaktas that are just well this is the only way and blah blah blah, blah. And, you know my experience is any time that i was really i actually really was feeling devotion and surrender where do you arrive you know at this complete still silent non-conceptual place of you know i mean yeah isn't that jnana yoga isn't that it's you know and you know even you know it's i think it's just all the same i think there's just everyone has uh, a different different karmas and different things they need to experience in their life which leads them to different tastes and different practices which is good for them yeah and i think as you said, for one person, perhaps they need to truly devote themselves to one practice only. Uh, for others, they all over the places. I'm, yeah. Personally, I do a lot of bhakti and jnana. 
and I, I, I follow my heart for periods, I, perhaps for a few weeks I really do devotional practices and then I do self-inquiry for a few weeks yeah. just yeah and I guess um, I think Christian does talks about it quite often just trust yeah, your heart yeah. and yeah. whatever should you trust if not your heart yeah yeah, yeah. because you're yeah. yeah I think it's easy to some gurus say something or some teachers say some say something and then you just buy it buy into it because they yeah. know better than you yeah um, and that could be a trap I guess as well yeah yeah once again you're on a trip you know and it's like Sokling Rinpoche says, most Westerners take refuge in a tradition, not a practice. Yeah. So it's it's just about being something else, and in which leads to we're right, you're wrong. Yeah. You know, which is like, what do you? What's okay? You know, and and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the use of that. But um, you know, I mean, Sidhima was such a buck. I mean, she was so devotional in in traditional and orthodox. To the T, I mean, she was like, the perfect, you know, uh, devotional being. And I was, you know, also through when I was practicing uh, Sri M and his practice in his Kriya. And I was having this, you know, this thing happening and where uh, my puja, my external puja kind of started to fall away, you know, because I, you know, set up a puja wherever I go and do all the the offerings and everything and that was kind of falling away and i said ma i feel like just closing my eyes and looking in is offering light you know in the fire of creation to to maharaji and to you and to god because it's here and this is so you know bringing that in and offering that i feel just closing my eyes is puja yeah. And she looked at Jay and said, sounds right to me. <laughs> right? That's the way Jay said it. She said, sounds right to her. Yeah. And I was like, really? Okay. You know? So, and that's coming from like, you know, the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Which oh, is, which she's all about bhakti. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So. Okay. I do have another question that I had written down. Let's see if it's any good right now. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about this as well in a way that something that I've been thinking a, a lot about lately is, you know, why you want to... I, I know Ram does talk a lot about this, you know, doing good mm -hmm. uh, and... You know, doing go good because you think there's something wrong, or doing good because you know you are love. The the difference between these two states, like I need to fix the world, and I fix the world not because it won't have to be fixed, just because that's yeah. what I do in a way. Uh, so, can you relate to that? Um, yeah, I I think that. You know, you can relate a lot of things to that, even music, you know. Are you playing music just to play or are you trying to, are you playing to be really good? Yeah. You know, um, of course, I mean, yeah, you know, th there's a lot of problems with the world that you want to fix. 
Of course, but I think that's it's a very fine line of why are you trying to fix it to to make it what? Yeah. You know, something that you think should be okay. Everyone should be eat vegan or everyone should be meat eaters or everyone should be Krishna bhaktas or Hanuman bhaktas or, or even everyone should be happy. Exactly. Yeah. That's the that's yeah. the the one I usually fall for, you know. Yeah. Trying to make fix people to be happy, you know. And I think it's really it's a hard one to balance, you know, not trying to fix things that yeah. you think is something wrong with, yeah. but still, you know, do good. And how to balance that, I think it's a really hard one. Yeah, because it, it definitely has to be, you know, it has to be natural, just like anything else, you know. And it, it, You know, of course, you want to be a good person and try to do the right thing. Of course. And even sometimes when you don't want to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, and you do it anyway. Even yeah. if it's, you know, coming from a perspective like, well, I'm I'm going to gain merit for doing the right thing. Yeah. It's very selfish. But it's, you know, if that's going to get you to actually do something good, then, then that's a good thing. But yeah, it's, you know, you can definitely like, like yeah, you can get caught up in, being a do-gooder you know i i do everything good and everything like that and you know trying to gain build something yeah. you know of being a good person when your whole intention you know is just for your own selfish yeah you know spiritual bodybuilding or something like that yeah and also it can be i think i i remember uh, an experience or insight i had once when i when i tried to help a person to become happy and i and she said you know i don't really want to be happy right now yeah and i realized that it wasn't about her in, at all it was and it wasn't about my you know like trying to be the bodybuilder yeah good person either it was about in order for me to be happy it was easier if, if she was happy too you know Oh, of course. That kind of trap that, okay, I need to change my outer circumstances if I'm going to be happy. Yeah. And it's so easy to slip into all of these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, because if we want it also to reflect off of us, you know, as if we did something. And once again, you know, going back to the topic of devotion and surrender and accepting what is, you know, I mean, that's that's what Maharaji wants that's what is that's the way it's supposed to be and the only way you're you know we're ever going to do anything truly good and from a place of love is accepting it first yeah. we don't have to change anything we, we just have to be here as, as fully as we can and you know surrender to it and then some kind of love that's not attached to any personal mental or emotional gain can come in and maybe actually really help the person and make them really happy, truly happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just try to push around their life to, you know, just the, pre your, you know, then your presence itself will just But do you that. think, uh, so this is a question I don't really have any clue about the answer, but I guess two different ways to approach this problem, if you want to call it a problem, uh, would be either to be very aware of what's happening inside of you 
the other one would be just to try to go deep into being alive and let it take care of itself. Uh, do you understand the difference I'm trying to? Uh, for instance, that I can I can become very aware of that I'm doing this and that my ego is doing this, and therefore I perhaps I can detach from it, or otherwise I could just sit there and sing and go into this deep love, and then this is not no longer a problem. Uh, I mean, yeah, are I, they I, yeah. I don't know what the question is really. <laughs> well, I think I think both. Yeah, I think what you're both what you're saying is both the same actually. Because if you were to sit and say, "Okay, you know, it's just inner observance," you know, watching the mind, you know, feeling the emotions, you know, when when stuff comes up, just you know, watching it. Okay, basically seeing what your where your motivation is really coming from. Yeah. And then, you know, once that's all kind of settled, then true love can kind of come out. But chanting, you know, is the same practice. Yeah. Because when you chant, to fully chant all these ideas about, well, I'm going to chant and I'm going to feel love, that's mm -hmm. a constant. You're forcing yourself to feel yeah. love yeah. and feel good. You can sing any song and feel good, <laughs> you know? practicing and being completely in the name you know all these other things the same it's the same practice of inner observance letting go going back to the moment going back to the name going back to that's devotion yeah you know it's the same thing yeah yeah i guess as you say they they go hand in hand and they're pretty much the same thing as you say uh, yeah. and that also when you kind of observe a meditation uh, you need the love as well I mean it, and it arises I guess uh, naturally yeah, yeah I mean said. you know I, I know Ram I'm sure Ram Das has said this and Krishna Das has said this and you know Siddhi Ma has said to me about meditation about all that and she said you know you can't do meditation you know meditation is who you are it's your natural state by repeating the name um, what's not real kind of just falls away you know all that falls away and what's left is meditation which is yeah. love yeah so you know once again any kind of trying to do something steps us outside of herself now I'm trying to be this which is a good thing I mean it's it's part of the path but yeah. it's also you know but also at some point it's just it's just doing just doing the practice not trying to do anything yeah you know just just fully being in it in a way i guess it's impossible not to try in the beginning i mean you can yeah. try not well, to try but it's still trying <laughs> yes exactly you know i mean that's really really hard and that's what once again you know back to acceptance yeah. you know you can't exactly. try to accept yeah. You know, I mean, there's holding on to something or there's letting go of something. Yeah. You know, when you when you let go, you can't try to let go. You just let go. Yeah. And, of course, then the mind will come in again and say, well, yeah, but now I know how to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. See, I told you I was in line. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, just impossible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that was uh, perhaps a good way to 
finish this interview, I guess. Yeah, it's impossible. Except, yeah, it's impossible. Just yes, accept it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that felt good. Accept yeah. that it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Then I don't need to worry about anything. Exactly. Yeah. Then you see that it is possible. Yeah. It's this paradox that I always come back to that paradox, you know. Yeah. To understand that there is nothing to understand. Yeah. Then yeah. you understand. Yeah. But you don't. <laughs> And it just like this dog trying to bite its own, its own tail in a way. It's just yeah. let yeah. it go, <laughs> yeah. basically. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it feels good to let it go. It does. Yeah. It does. Or, yeah, I mean, you know, repeating the name and just for no reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for this second interview. It's been yeah, delightful. Yeah, thank you. I could go, go on forever, I think, but yeah. we're going above an hour now so i think it's time to call it a cool. night yeah awesome yeah thank you very much and uh you too thank you for having me definitely yeah so yeah. have a good evening yes you too yeah thank you bye 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 come around <laughs>